0: What's going on through our church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right, all right. Y'all, y'all can be seated. Y'all can be, go ahead. He, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. I feel like an official guest, though, like he said, now, now that y'all stood, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, no, I'm excited. Uh, real quick, I just want to honor Pastor Chris. Um, we have an incredible, incredible lead pastor. We wouldn't be where we are as a church without him. So family, can you just give it up for Pastor Chris and Vanessa? I know they're going to be watching online. Uh, they're, they're the best. Love them. Love them to death. They're, they're awesome and so grateful for them. I know you guys are. And Man, we just have such a beautiful church. We really do. Um, And so grateful for them. And also, um, can we welcome those watching online with us, family? Come on. Can we give it up for the people on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever they're watching? Uh, I'm I'm excited to to speak to you guys today. Uh, And and I asked Pastor Chris, hey, bro, what do you want me to speak on? And he said, whatever you want. And I said, oh, I am a guest today. Okay. Just kidding. No, he said, whatever you want. I said, so, okay. So if it's bad, it's 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 his his fault. We're going to blame him if it's bad tonight. All right. Cool? No? Okay, just kidding. No, uh, today I was, as I was praying and kind of seeking God about what He wanted to talk about, I, I really feel um, that today God wants us to call us to a deeper level of hunger and desire. Um, today we're going to read two passages in the Bible, two different stories in the Bible. You're like, two passages? Yep, don't worry, all in on time. Uh, two stories in the Bible and, and how they uh, con- compare and contrast. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to talk about the responses that these... These individuals have to Jesus. And I've, I really started feeling this as, as I was um, preparing. We've been in this Holy Spirit series where God has been moving in a powerful way. How many know that God's been moving in such a powerful way here at Thrive? And, um... Man, there's been some real encounters. Like some of you, maybe for the first time, encountered God in a real way. The presence of God encountered you. Maybe some of you, it's not the first time, but you've encountered God in a real way these past 12 weeks. And and God has just been moving. And so what I wanted to talk about today is our response to that. Because how many know you can encounter God, but your response can 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 be lacking? How many know two people can encounter God in the same room, but the responses can be completely different? Let me, let me give you an example. You ever been like in worship, and you're just kind of singing the words on the screen, you're just like, oh, yeah, sing. I won't sing. Don't worry. I won't sing. Y'all don't want to hear that. I don't want to do that. It's cool. Have you ever just been kind of singing, and you're thinking about what's for lunch. You're thinking the Raiders play today, and all of a sudden you look over, and the person next to you is just weeping. No? That's never happened to any of you? Just me? Cool. Okay. Uh, the, the, the the same Holy Spirit is in the room, right? Like you're, you're the same Holy Spirit once that, that, that's encountering the person that's weeping. He's, he's looking to encounter you. But oftentimes what happens is not that God doesn't want to speak to us, but it's that we're disconnected and disengaged from what God is doing. See, we're not open to, 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 to Holy Spirit. We're not hungry or desperate for God. And so God can encounter us in a really real way, but we're just not there. And so today I want to call us to a deeper level of, of, of desire for Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, cool. And, I, um, and I'm not saying you have to be emotional for Holy Spirit to speak to you. I'm not saying like crying makes it more emotional because I've seen people who cry and then they're just Monday, they're back in their same mess. And I've seen people who stand there like this and God's really changing their life, bro. So, so that's not what I'm saying, but what I am saying is, internally, I believe that God needs to do something in you, and there needs to be a desire for you to be open to God internally, because He won't force you to grow. You know God will not force you to grow in Him. It's your decision whether or not you're going to receive Him. It's your decision whether or not you want to grow, and can I tell you today, there's an atmosphere where Holy Spirit is present in the room, and so if you want to respond to Him, you have that opportunity today. And man, I'm preaching to myself this morning, because there's been, there's been times in my life where I've been both. There's been times in my life where I'm just like, man, what's for lunch? When is the service over? I know. Pre- preachers can tell when you're doing that, all right? Just so you know. Just kidding. No, these lights are too bright. But, but there's been times in my life where I'm like, all right, let's just get to lunch. There's been times in my life where I've been hungry and desperate for Jesus and family, I believe, where God is calling this church, where God is calling this house, We're going to need to be desperate. We're going to need to be hungry. We're going to need to really want Jesus. Y'all with me? All right, cool. Go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the word. And uh, come on, stand up. And I I have a lot of Bible today. What I've learned is that it's not my words that change your heart. It's the word of God that changes your heart. So I'm going to give you a lot of Bible, and I'm not going to say sorry for it. Cool? All right. So we're going to read John 3, 1 through 10 first, then John uh, 4, 9 through 26. And it says this. This is the story, and it's a pretty famous story of Of Jesus and Nicodemus. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Verse 4, How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. So that's Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Now we're going to flip to John 4, where this is Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. This is another popular passage in Scripture, and it says this. The Samaritan, Jesus. Or well, let me give you a little context. Jesus is going to, um, he, he's passing through Samaria, and he asks this woman for a drink of water at the well. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She said, I want that water. I don't know about y'all. I want the water that never makes me thirsty. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I love Jesus. He's such a savage. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you have said you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Verse 21, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming where you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Almost done. Verse 23. Yet a time is coming and now, has now come where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father speaks. Verse 24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Verse 26. Then Jesus declared... I, the one speaking to you, am he. You may sit down. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Such a rich text, such a rich word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then we're going to go for it. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're willing to encounter us, no matter who we are. Thank you that you're willing to encounter us, whether we're a religious leader like Nicodemus or, or a broken woman at the well. God, I thank you that you want everything to do with us. I thank you that you give us a seat at the table. I thank you for what you're doing, for your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would increase and I would decrease. God, I ask for more of you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So so what I really want to do today is I want to compare these two stories because, again, like I was saying at the beginning... Two people had a real encounter with Jesus. They both met with Jesus. Nicodemus and the woman at the well both met with Jesus. But the outcome was completely different. And it wasn't Jesus that changed, mind you. Right. Like it wasn't Jesus that changed. It was their response to Jesus that was different. And so I want to encourage someone today that it's your response to Jesus that actually makes the difference, not just Jesus in the room and Jesus in the room can change everything in your life. You have an opportunity today, every time the presence of God is in the room to have your life completely changed with one encounter. One encounter from the living God can change everything in your life today. So if you came discouraged, if you came broken, if you came hurting, can I tell you today that one encounter with the living God can change everything? Everything. If you could throw up the... the, Oh, y'all already got it. Y'all are on it. I want to compare here uh, the two ways that they responded and handled the conversations. First, Nicodemus approached Jesus late at night and in secret. Now, can I tell you this wasn't because it was his prayer closet and he was just trying to have a a moment with Jesus, because sometimes that's good. You need to pray in secret by yourself. But the reason Nicodemus approached Jesus late at night and in secret was because he was a religious leader, and, 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 and if he was going to follow Jesus, he wanted to do it in private so that his peers didn't ask him what was going on with this Jesus thing, because Jesus was at odds with the Pharisees oftentimes. And so he didn't do this as a moment where he actually wanted to seek Jesus in a real way. He did this as a way of hiding. And I think if we're honest, some of us have a relationship with Jesus. and We have our church friends, and we have a relationship with Jesus that's public to some people. But then when we get around certain family members, we hide it. When we get around our coworkers, we hide it. We have a, we have a relationship with Jesus, but it's secret. And the, what I love is the woman at the well, she met Jesus, and it was broad day, and it was in public. Now, she didn't intend to meet Jesus that day. He came to her, but she wasn't afraid or ashamed of meeting Jesus in public. In fact, the disciples came right after this. I just didn't want to keep reading because y'all would have fell asleep on me. But the disciples came, and they said, why are you talking with the woman? Meaning, she was talking with her, and, and she was unashamed of talking with him. Second difference, main difference is, catch this, Nicodemus called Jesus a teacher come from God. Interesting. He wasn't calling him the Messiah. He's saying you're a teacher from God. Whereas the woman at the well, later in John 4, acknowledges Jesus as the Messiah and the Christ. Friend, I don't think that we would say that Jesus isn't the Messiah, but I think oftentimes with our lives we live like Jesus is just a good teacher. I think if we're really honest, there's some things that Jesus has called us, there's some that has called out of us, there's some things that Jesus has called us to and we're like, "Well, I don't really agree with that Jesus," and so I'm not going to follow that. And so we treat him like he's a teacher and we accept what we like and we don't accept what we don't like and, and but but can I tell you friend that with your life you have to make him lord of your life? You have to make him Lord of your life where he has authority over your life. And he's not just a teacher come from God, but he is God. And he has final rule and say over our actions and attitudes and words. Woman at the well didn't know a whole lot, but she knew that Jesus was Messiah. And she knew that she was willing to give him everything. And she knew that she was willing to lay everything down. Third thing, Nicodemus remained prideful. Did you see in his conversation with Jesus? What does he do? He argues with Jesus. Oh, Lord, I think some of us do this. Well, I don't really think that's right, Jesus. I don't think you meant to say it that way, God. Well, I don't, I don't really agree with that. He, he remains prideful and he argues with Jesus. And can, and can I tell you that I'm not saying like talking with Jesus and questioning things is bad. But he made prideful and arrogant and, 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 he, and he had to question Jesus. Whereas the woman at the well, she humbled herself. When Jesus says, actually, you've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. She says, sir, you're right. I think our relationship with Jesus needs to look a whole lot more like humility. That when He calls something out of us, like "Hey, I need you to not go hang out with those friends anymore. I need you to I need you to exclude yourself from that thing that you keep that those parties that you keep going to. I need you to exclude yourself from that that inappropriate website that you're on late at night. I need instead of arguing with Him and saying, "Well, I really like this thing, or is it really that bad? Or well, it just makes me comfortable." I think we need to look a whole lot more like, "Sir, you're right." Holy Spirit, you're right. And what is it in me that needs to change? What is it in me that you need to prune? See, the woman at the well was willing to say, you know what? You're right. What else do you have to tell me? Whereas Nicodemus said, I already know these things, and I know you can't be born again. What are you talking about, Jesus? See, I think oftentimes we don't say out loud that we do this, but we do this with God. We're prideful. And can I tell you, you can only follow Jesus in a real way if you're willing to lay down your pride. You can only follow Jesus in a real way if you're willing to let God be God and you be servant. And then lastly is what Nicodemus did, and it's remaining prideful, is he kept the conversation to himself. He has a conversation with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he goes and he doesn't tell anybody. Whereas the woman at the well, later in John 4, goes and she tells everybody that she knows. What I love about her if she doesn't have four years of Bible college and a degree, and that, that stuff is good. Bible college and degrees and right theology, it's, it's great. But she doesn't wait. She goes and she says, I need to tell everybody that I know. Woo! Friend, what have you? What excuse have you been giving yourself that you're holding in the gospel, the life, as Jesus says, the, 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 the rivers of living water that live inside of you. What are you holding in that the world needs to hear? Come on now. Hmm. You know what's interesting is, I believe Nicodemus came with good intention. I believe Nicodemus really wanted to have a moment with Jesus and really wanted to encounter Jesus. I think if like all of us, we come to church, unless you're like a teenager dragged here, you know, I know I remember those days, that was me. So there's hope, y'all, there's hope unless you're a teenager dragged here, you likely came here with the right intention. You likely came here wanting to encounter God. You likely came here wanting to grow deeper with Jesus. The problem why sometimes we just come to church and it's religious and we don't grow is the same problem that Nicodemus had is he wanted to encounter Jesus, but he was more invested in the things of the world than his relationship with Jesus. So he was unwilling to give up what Jesus wanted him to give up and be born again and be made new. And so he clung to the things that he new instead of allowing jesus to actually prune him and actually shake him and actually change him and so i think if you're frustrated that you feel like you've been coming to church but you're not growing it's probably because you're being prideful and you're not letting jesus change you and you might have good intention and you want to encounter god and you want to deepen your relationship with jesus but you're still holding on to your past Mm. real desire to meet jesus but his desire to keep his life the way it was outweighed the desire to follow Jesus. He was unwilling to give up the earthly things that he clung on to. He was unwilling to give up his status. He was unwilling to give up relationships. Because if he would have followed Jesus, it would have cost him. He could not have been a Pharisee the same way he was a Pharisee. It would have cost him relationships. And and it would have cost him authority in the kingdom. He was unwilling to give up his pride. And he said, well, these things to me are more important than following Jesus. And so I'm just going to keep this conversation private. See, Nicodemus thought he had too much to lose by following Jesus if he only knew <laughs> he had everything to gain by following Jesus that's why mark 8 says whoever looks to lo- or whoever looks to save his life will lose it And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is that played out in real time. See, Nicodemus was looking to save his life and preserve the things of the world. And so he lost Jesus. He lost real life. He lost the one who has the rivers of living water. And the woman at the well said, I will lose my life. I don't want none of this no more. What I want is I want the rivers of living water. She says, whatever water you have to give me, I want it, friend. Are you saving your life or are you losing it for him? Because a life following Jesus Jesus is a life laid down that says, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll do. It's a humble heart saying, Lord, I don't know better than you. Lord, if you call me to give that up, I don't know why and I don't like it and it doesn't feel right, but I'll do it. Are you saving your earthly dignity at the expense of eternity? I love the song we sang at the end of worship. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Whew. That was fire. I don't know if y'all caught that. I'll make room for you. We sing it. We sing it. We sing it, but do we mean it? And I won't sing it. I'm just going to say it because y'all don't want to hear me sing it. I'll sing it at the end with no microphone. But uh, We sing it, family, but do we mean it? Will we make room for Him? Are you willing to make room for God when it costs you something? Or are you willing to make room for God just when it feels good? Are you willing to make room for God when it's uncomfortable and he's calling you out and he's calling you higher and he's calling you to give something up? Or are you willing to make room for God up until that point? Because Nicodemus was willing to make room for God up until it cost him something. I think if we're honest, a lot of us make room for God up until it costs us something. And what I want to do is I want to sing this song at the end. Again, I I will make room for you, but family, I want to challenge you to sing it like you actually mean it. And I want to challenge you to sing it with a humble heart that is actually saying, Lord, I will make room for you. Whatever you want to do, I want to actually believe that God can call us to a new level of of humility, can call us to a new level of submission to him and watch how things change. Watch what happens when you submit yourself to him. And man, if if you don't mean it, don't sing it at the end. I don't know if I can do that, but I did it. Sorry, Pastor Chris. Just kidding. No, if you don't mean it, don't sing it. Because I don't. Because what happens when you sing? I'll make room for you. Is Holy Spirit be like? Okay, will you make room for me? Okay, <laughs> you'll make room for me. Okay. Well, then this got to go. Yeah. And if you mean it, family, we're gonna sing it at the end, and we're gonna do response, and, and I want you to sing it, but I want you to get ready because Monday is gonna look a little different. I want you to get ready because Wednesday might look a little different. I want you to get ready because Thursday might look a little different. Because what happens when we allow Holy Spirit inside to actually shift us and change us is we begin to look like a different person. And it begins to cost us things. But that's actually a good thing, can I tell you? Because the Lord knows that the thing that you've been clinging on to is actually bondage. It's not freedom, but it's all you've known, so you hang on to it. Can I tell you that He actually wants to free some of you today? And family, I get frustrated because I've seen too many people have real encounters with God but not follow Him. I've been a believer for 10 years and I've seen people leave. I've seen people come and I've seen people go. And I've seen what happened in their life and I've seen how God encountered them. I've seen how God came through in a real way and I've seen God move in their life. And then I see them leave and I'm like, what happened? It reminds me of the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people with a couple of bread and lo- uh, a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. and and then, and then all of a sudden it says that Jesus retreats into the mountains. What happened to the 5,000? Where did they go? He came through in a miraculous way, and they didn't follow him. They didn't. Not one person went up to the mountains with him. Not one person said, you know what, Jesus, you just did this, and I recognize that there's something different about you, so I'm going to give up everything to follow you. They wanted him to be a genie. They wanted God to just keep giving them things. But they didn't want to follow him when all of a sudden we got to hike up a mountain and it's dirty and it's gross and no one really feels it anymore. And I don't see no bathrooms. I mean, and and it's uncomfortable and I don't know where we're going to get our next meal, Jesus. And so I I like to eat. I I, I feel that because I do like to eat. And, and, And so they'll follow him when he's giving them stuff. But the moment they don't feel like it anymore, they leave. See, God's not our genie. I think if we're honest, I guess sometimes I'll get frustrated as I'm reading scripture. I'm like, why did they do that? Why did the Israelites do that? Sometimes I'm like, the Israelites are the dumbest people in the history. Like, They wander around the desert for 40 years, but then the Lord will be like, you do that, bro. I'm like, oh, I do that. We do that. If we're honest, God provides in an incredible way. Then we stop following him as soon as we don't feel like it. We're committed to discipleship. When groups has great snacks, but the second they don't bring, put snacks out for a week, you don't come back for three weeks. And I love the snacks, y'all can tell. Snacks are great. Snacks are good. Group leaders still put out snacks. But can I tell you, it's not about the snacks. It's not about, it's not about what God can do for you or the church does for you. It's about, Rather, it's about what you do for God. It's about humbling yourself, sacrificing, being submitted. And can I tell you why? The Bible says we love because he first loved us. He demonstrated what submission and sacrifice looks like on the cross. Yeah. So we're not blindly following a God that's unwilling to do the things He's asking us to do because He's already proven it to the, to the millionth degree, His love, his, his demonstration of sacrifice for you. See, will we follow Him in a real way? Will we make room for Him or will we act like He needs to serve us? I know sobering questions. I think these are hard questions, but I think they're real questions that we have to begin to answer our, ourselves in our heart. Will we follow God when it costs us, or will we follow? Will we expect it to cost him and cost him? Have we gotten to the point where we're asking Jesus and his church to change, to make room for us, instead of us make room for him? So I think sometimes we, we expect God to make room for us and, and, and shift. Well, maybe you really didn't mean like that when you said that, and so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to still do this and want to follow you. No, friend, can you make room for God instead of him make room for you? See, Nicodemus came to get intellectual knowledge from a good teacher. I-, I fear that's what too many of us do. We don't say that, but that's how our relationship with God looks. We come on a Sunday and, 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 and we just, oh, okay, that's good. That'll, that'll make me a better me. Can I tell you, friend, Christianity and following Jesus is not five steps to becoming a better you. It's actually dying to yourself and being rebirthed. As Jesus says in his conversation with John 3, it's actually being made new. It's actually dying to yourself, laying your life down. It's not five steps to a greater you. It's it's one step to lay down your life and follow him. And can I tell you what I've learned is following him is greater than the five steps to make me a better me because me a better me without Jesus is still a broken me because me a better me without Jesus is still going to hell because me without me being a better me without Jesus is still not enough to ascend the hill of heaven because me without or because me without Jesus is broken no matter how you split it. But me in submission to Jesus actually in turn becomes a better me and it's actually who I was created to be. And see, it's not puffing myself up, but it's laying myself down. Woo! Nicodemus came for intellectual knowledge with the Samaritan woman. I'll give Nicodemus this. He, he went on purpose looking after Jesus, but he didn't like what Jesus had to say, so he turned, his, he turned away. The Samaritan woman, she encountered him on accident. She has a conversation with Jesus, and she was will, but she was willing to give up her whole life after that conversation to share about Jesus. And what you have to understand in this story is, For this woman to go preach about Jesus, it was incredibly bold. First off, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, right? John 4, so they did not associate with each other. They were enemies. It's like me, I'm a Niners fan. Um, It'd be like me saying, hey, the Raiders are great this year. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. They're going to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be incredible. You'd be like, what in the world? Now, I said, this is like me saying that. I'm not saying that. It's not going to happen. We all know that. It'd be like, like, some of y'all, like, Devontae Adams, best wide receiver in the league. Eh. Josh Jacobs, best running back in the league. Eh. The, the one that gets me is Max Cross. He's better than Nick Bosa. Stop lying. You're in church. Stop lying. They were enemies. And so for this woman to go preach that this Jewish man named Jesus is the Messiah was an incredibly difficult thing to do because they would say, what do you mean a Jewish man? So you see in their conversation, she was like, "Wait, wait, wait you Jews say we're going to worship here and we say we're going to worship here and she's like, none of that matters. Real worshipers worship in spirit and truth, not on this mountain. See, they were enemies. It was incredibly difficult for her to preach the gospel. Friend, I think we've gotten so comfortable in our American Christianity that we don't even share the gospel with our friends who aren't even going to look at us crazy if we share the gospel with them. We don't share the gospel with our family members who are, who are going to die and go to hell. Like, this is a reality. Heaven and hell, it's real. We don't share the gospel. We've became so comfortable. It was like, eh, whatever. If they come to church, if they don't, if they know Jesus, if they don't, it's not a big deal. Can I tell you, friend, where is the urgency and the desperation and the desire and the hunger for God? And for that to leak out into our cities and communities and workplaces and schools and friends and the people around us. Can I tell you, friend, there's so much more that we're called to live for. She, it would have cost her a lot, but we're not willing to lay down anything for Jesus. What it cost her relationships, her reputation, but she was unbothered because she knew who Jesus was. Will you live unbothered and unashamed of the gospel and preach boldly with truth because you know who Jesus is? It might cost you some friendships, but if preaching the gospel costs you a friendship, you didn't need that friendship anyways. It might cost you your pride. You might look a little dumb. There's been times in my life where I pray for people in public and I'm like, can I pray for you? They're like, no. And I'm like, oh, that was dumb. I feel dumb. But can I tell you, There's also been times in my life where I I ask them and they say yes and I pray for them and then it changes their life. What does my pride get in the way for? I felt a little dumb for five minutes. That person will never think of me again. Or maybe they'll think of the seed planted in the kingdom and maybe 10 years later they'll come to Jesus. But what happens if you do preach the gospel and someone does say yes? Eternity shifted. Can I tell you, friend, can you live boldly for Jesus? What happens when you encounter Jesus and submit to him in a real way is you're filled with the holy courage. See, I want to give some context about the woman at the well. Uh, um, I think sometimes we we misunderstand this story and who she actually was. She wasn't just divorcing people just because, right? Remember the Bible says she had five husbands before and the one she's with is not her husband. She wasn't just divorcing people just because. In that cultural context, at the time, women could not divorce men. So when the word says that she was divorced five times, it doesn't mean that she had made five decisions to divorce someone. It means that she was left five times. I want to challenge your perspective on this story. This wasn't a woman just out there choosing man after man after man. That's what we think because of our cultural context, when women and men and whoever can divorce whoever. Actually, in our cultural context, women predominantly divorce men. But, but that's what, So that's what we think in our cultural context. But this was not a woman who was just choosing man after man after man. This was a woman who was rejected time after time after time after time after time. After time. This was a woman who was sent packing five times. This was a woman who was told, it's time for you to go five times. This wasn't a woman who was choosing a life of promiscuity. This was a woman who was rejected. (laughs) It changes the narrative of the story a little bit, doesn't it? because there's been times in my life where I've been rejected and I've been unwanted and can I tell you what happens in those moments when I've been rejected and I've been unwanted and I've felt like no one cares and i felt like everyone dislikes me can I tell you who was there every single time it's Jesus. Can I tell you who was there for that woman when she was rejected and she was unwanted time after time after time as Jesus says I want you and actually everyone's pushing you away from the table but actually I have a seat for you in my kingdom and I have a seat for you at the table and can I tell someone today who's came in here broken and feeling unwanted and feeling rejected and feeling unloved that Jesus says in his word that I have a seat for you at the table and the world may have rejected you but if you'll humble yourself and submit yourself to me, then I'll bring you into my kingdom. And not only will I bring you into my kingdom. Oh. Not only will I bring you into my kingdom, but you'll bring people into my kingdom. <laughs> not only will I bring you into my kingdom, but you'll bring people into my kingdom too. Hmm. <laughs> Jesus understands this woman because Jesus was rejected. He, he's the stone. The Bible says the stone that the, building, the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Is Jesus. He was rejected by man. He was rejected by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, and he was called crazy. And can I tell you, so what Jesus did is he went to the outcasts and the desperate and the broken, and those who were willing to say, you know what, Lord, I do need a savior. He went not to the prideful, but to the the sick, to the unwell. And he said, if you're willing to humble yourself, come into my kingdom. Hmm. What's interesting with this woman is she was once known as the woman nobody wanted. The woman with self-esteem issues. Now, she's known across the globe thousands of years later as the woman who went boldly and proclaimed her faith courageously. Can I tell you that Jesus completely shifted her identity? Can I tell someone today that one encounter with Jesus can entirely shift what you're known for and who you're known as? This woman was known in Samaria as the woman that no man wanted. Mm. Now she's a, now she's known thousands of years later in America, across the globe, as the woman whom Jesus wanted. Now she's known as the woman who was, who was self... She used to be anxious. She used to be insecure. Now she's known as the woman who went boldly and proclaimed her faith. I don't know about you, but I once was someone that nobody wanted. I tell someone today that the wounds of your past don't have to dictate your future? The things that you've been through, your dad leaving you, your wife leaving you, your husband leaving you, your kids not liking you, the people at work firing you. Can I tell you the wounds of your past don't have to dictate and determine your future because one, one moment with Jesus, one encounter with Jesus, if you'll humble yourself can change the trajectory of your past, present and future. One moment. What's crazy is Nicodemus had the same opportunity in his moment with Jesus. Will you take the opportunity is the question today. The presence of God is in the room today. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. The question is not, is the presence of God here? The question is will you respond to the presence of God? Question is will you be prideful, arrogant, and hold on to your stuff like Nicodemus did? Will you say, Lord, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I need a savior, and I need you, Lord. The question is not, is Jesus here or does he want me? Because he does and he's demonstrated. The question is, will you choose to want him back? The question is, will you lay down everything that you have preconceived notions of and love him back? The question is, will you allow him to be the primary in your life? Will you allow him to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings? See, you know what's crazy, I've talked to people my life and they're like, well, I, I, I like Jesus, but I don't like this. So I'm not going to follow him friends. He is the King of Kings and a Lord of Lords. He is not the teacher of teachers. That's right, that's right. You can debate with the teacher, but you don't debate with the King. That's right. <laughs> you can debate all you want with your, with your teacher, but you do not debate with the King. I love that we sang lion earlier in worship because I think oftentimes we think of Jesus as a skinny guy who died on the cross, but actually he's coming back in power and boldness and he's coming back as a warrior and he's coming back as the king he's not coming back as the skinny guy on the cross can i tell someone this today that we need to line up with the king today there's some of us that need to repent that need to humble ourselves today and actually let jesus in and watch the weight he lifted off your shoulders because you've been carrying a burden that was never yours to carry you've been carrying a burden that you couldn't carry how do i know because it was me I've been carrying burdens I couldn't carry. Can I tell you friend, when you let go and let Jesus bring freedom, he'll bring freedom for real and not freedom the way the world gives. One encounter with Jesus can change your past. Last thing, I'm gonna close with this. John 3, Jesus spoke in the third person rather than revealing himself as the Messiah. He didn't reveal himself to the religious teacher. In John 4, he reveals himself as Messiah to the female outcast who is uneducated, unwanted, and not religious. Why? Because he knew the heart. I'm going to ask a few questions today. I really believe that Jesus is uninterested in who you're pretending to be. He's uninterested in your pride and your religious performance and, and your planning center statistics and how much you serve and how much you do for God. He's uninterested in those things. What Jesus is interested in today is your heart. He's interested in not what you've done for him, but who you are to him. He's interested in inviting you to the table, not expecting you just to set the table. He's interested in actually a relationship with you today. And so I want to ask a few questions as we get ready to respond. And I I just want Jesus to just prompt your heart. I want to check our heart. The first question is, who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? Is he a good teacher or is he Lord of Lords? Is he King of Kings? second question I want to ask is are you willing to let go are you willing to let go of the things that keep you from Jesus, are you willing to let go of relationships, of pride, of anger, of anxiousness, are you willing to let go of fear, are you willing to let go of your past hurts and hang-ups, are you willing to let go of the people that you haven't forgiven that keep you from feeling the forgiveness of God, are you willing to let go today, are you willing to let go of pride and religious performance, are you willing to let go of everything that you've been taught that you think you have to do in order to to, to perform enough for Jesus, are you actually willing to let go and allow him to speak boldly into your heart today are you willing to let go the last question is will you tell the world will you tell the world after the samarian woman has the encounter with jesus she goes back to samaria and she tells everybody and you know what happens it's miraculous i'll read it real quick real quick john nine thirty nine 39 42 says many of the samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony he told me everything I ever did she said so when the Samaritans came to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days and because of his words many more became believers they said to the woman we no longer believe just because of what you said now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world there's a world of people out there that need to hear the gospel There's people all around you who need to know. And friend, you might be the only one in their life that's a Christian. You might be the only friend that has access to them. I don't have access to them. Pastor Chris don't have access to them. Pastor Juan don't have access to them. They don't want to hear from us, but they'll hear from you, friend. Will you tell the world? Will you not... Have the light, the living water inside of you and then have the light inside of you and then put a lampshade over it. Will you let your light shine to the city of Lathrop, Manteca, Stockton, Tracy, Modesto, Ripon? What if the church would answer the call in a real way and humble themselves and not be prideful and said, Lord, we need you. What if there was a desperation, a hunger and a willingness to say yes for Jesus? I believe we would fill up this building 10 times over. I believe city after city after city would begin to get saved. Because of what, uh, because of Jesus and because of what he's doing in your life and your heart, can I tell you, friend, you have a part to play. Yes. You have a part to play. And I don't care if you've never been to four years of Bible college, neither did this woman. <laughs> she had no experience. She had one encounter with Jesus and immediately told everyone. You know who's been disqualifying you is you. Who disqualified you? You you. And so friend, I want to do this. I want I want I want to do a call. If everyone can stand with me, we're going to worship and we're going to sing about how we want to make room. But I want to give you the opportunity to respond and to come forward. And so if you would say yes to any of these questions today, if, do you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Maybe he's been a good teacher. Maybe he's been a philosopher in your life. Maybe he's been someone you occasionally listen to. But today, you need to make the decision to make him Lord and actually follow the words that he says and actually keep his commands and actually love him back the way that he loves you and actually go all the way after Jesus. You're tired of being tired and you're tired of halfway following God. Jesus and today you want to make the decision to actually make him Lord of your life I want to invite you to the front if you're saying I'm willing to let go I want to let go of the things that hold me back whether it's relationships whether it's uh, promiscuity whether it's lust whether it's anger whether it's fear if there's something that's binding you and you want to let go today I want to invite you to the front I'm not doing a three two one just come up at any time and the third thing is if you want to say you know what Pastor Matt I want to tell the world I've been keeping the light of God inside of me for far too long and God is doing something in my heart. There's a fire that's being birthed in my heart and I can't keep this thing to myself anymore. I no longer want to live passively, but I want to live boldly. I no longer want to just kind of do this Christianity thing, but I want to share it. If you want to tell the world, come on, meet me at the front today. And we're going to sing that God is going to make room. We're going to make room for God. Excuse me. We're going to make room for him. And I believe, pastors, we can lay hands. And I believe God is sending people. God is calling people. God is doing something incredible today. So let's let's, let's sing this song together, family. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.